It's Wednesday, October 2nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The homelessness issue in San Francisco has gotten so bad that in one neighborhood, residents put boulders on the sidewalk to prevent people from setting up camp. What happened next was a battle between activists and residents that resulted in them being removed after it became too much of a problem for the residents who put them there in the first place. Hannah Knowles, reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for how it all played out. Next, foul balls are hurting hundreds of people at Major League Baseball parks, leading to a discussion of whether more netting should be placed to protect people from errant baseballs. The Phillies are the latest team to say that they will expand safety netting before next season starts. NBC News found at least 808 reports of injuries to fans from baseballs. No park shared data for the investigation, but 701 of those injuries came from just four parks, so the true number of injuries could be much higher. Vicky Wynn, investigative and consumer correspondent at NBC News, joins us for more on foul ball injuries. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Someone sets up tent, and then I'm, st- I'm stuck, back in- stuck back walking into the street, and if a car does come, I can't quickly come back up on the sidewalk because there's a rock right there. Joining us now is Hannah Knowles, reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Hannah. Thanks for having me. We're going to be talking about this story in San Francisco. You know, homelessness is a problem all across the country. In California specifically, I feel like there's a lot of attention on the state. The Trump administration has even signaled that they might get involved and might try to do something to work on the problem. But in San Francisco, there's an excess of stories coming out about homelessness. It is a problem around the state. And in one section of San Francisco, this is in the Clinton Park area, residents put out huge rocks on their sidewalk to keep the homeless away, to keep them from putting up tents. They said that campers there were dealing drugs and yelling at all hours of the night. And it caused this battle over the rocks. People on both sides either moving the rocks or putting them back. The residents there ended up saying, we traded criminals for activists and the media because so much scrutiny came to them for this. Hannah, tell us the story. What happened with these big boulders that they put on the sidewalk? Yeah, so um, the boulders, as far as from what I've heard from people, they were there for about a month. Um, with not too much fanfare. And then last week, um, local media outlets started looking into, like, okay, why are these boulder outlets here? And they found out from residents that um, the neighbors had pulled together because, like you said, they wanted these rocks to try to keep away um, homeless people who they said were camping in the area, and they said they were dealing drugs and um, causing some safety concerns. And so, um, you know, as the attention to the rocks grew, um, it kind of really became a, um, you know, very polarizing and became a cause for people who feel like um, cities like San Francisco have, um, in some places, like designed certain public spaces to be hostile to homeless people. And they feel like this is not, you know, a good solution necessarily to this huge homeless pro- homelessness problem that the city is dealing with. And so you had, I think, three times um, the boulders were like rolled out onto the street. And so then the city officials would have to come and roll them back because they were blocking traffic. Um, And so then finally the residents were like, oh my gosh, like 
let's just have them removed because at this point um, they are more trouble than they're worth. And so finally on Monday, um, public works officials came and pulled them away. Yeah, so the residents there pulled together, I think I read somewhere about $4,000 to get the rocks and put them there. This area, this Clinton Park area, the homes there are valued to about a million dollars, some of them in some cases. So people had a problem that they had this homeless encampment going down basically right across the street from them. You mentioned there was a a few times where the rocks were rolled down in the street and rolled back and whatnot. Tell us about this thing that happened with a bunch of bicyclists because the story kept growing and then there was like all these bicyclists that were coming to move the rocks and, and like cops had to come, but they had left. Tell us a little bit about that situation. Oh, yeah. So that was actually kind of early on in this whole saga. This was on Friday. Apparently, um, like 30 bicyclists were spotting, uh, they were spotted trying to roll the rocks into the street. And they, I think they did succeed in rolling some of them out there. Um, and we don't have much more information than that. Um, some of the people who I talked to who were kind of part of this like anti-rock um, campaign, they didn't even talk to me about the bicyclist incident. They told me about this whole other group of people who showed up like in the middle of the night to do it. Um, so clearly there's a bunch of different people who felt, you know, invested in this and did not like the rocks. Um, but yeah, like you said, no one was arrested from that Friday, like bicyclist incident. They were all gone by the time the police got there. A lot was being made. You know, why would these residents try to do this to keep the homeless people out? San Francisco has a service where people could dial 311 and make complaints for the city to come and clean stuff up, different things like that. So this Clinton Park area, there was frequent requests for encampment cleanups and complaints about needles. So their concerns weren't unwarranted, let's say. What have city officials said about this whole boulder debacle? Because obviously they're the ones tasked with helping fix the homelessness problem. What have they said about this? Mm-hmm. So the, um, the main agency that's been dealing with this is the San Francisco Public Works Department. And they have said... Um, very clearly that they are on the side of the residents. They feel like these people's concerns were justified and they actually had no problem at all with the rocks. And they really only started getting involved when they were being pushed into the street because they said that created a hazard. And so they've been very much on the side of like, we think that um, there is something that needs to be done and they don't seem to have the same concerns about the boulders that a lot of these activists and other people have raised. Um, And then they also, you know, they pointed out that the city is doing other things to try to combat homelessness in a more systemic way. And they've pointed to some of the other programs and investments the city has made in recent years, trying to, you know, increase shelters, trying to increase um, what resources they do have, although clearly it's still um, not enough because there are still huge waiting lists every night for shelters in San Francisco. In the end, the rocks were moved. They were removed. The The residents there felt it was more of a problem than a solution to the homeless encampments there. What is the next step for them? What are they going to do? And, you know, the reason why the story is so interesting is because homelessness is a problem everywhere. And this is not necessarily the solution for everything, but it just shows the desperation that everybody has in trying to figure out a way to do this. So what's next for those residents there? Uh, yeah, so it sounds like they're kind of regrouping and thinking about what they might want to do um, with that part of the sidewalk. Um, and it sounds like from what I heard from Public Works, they're not sure yet. They might do some sort of other landscaping. Um, it sounds like they're also interested in maybe 
painting a mural or doing some stuff to beautify it. But one option that is, it sounds like is still on the table is bringing back the rocks, but making them harder to move. And so oh, it might no. just be bigger rocks, right. yes, which would, which would set this whole thing into motion all over again. Wow. Well, we'll definitely have to keep an eye out on this story. Hannah Knowles, reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. In the fifth inning, a foul ball came off the bat and struck me in the face. Uh, it crashed into my left eye. I felt the rush of pain, um, and I lost sight in that eye immediately. I was watching the game, but I had no chance to avoid it. It was just too fast. Joining us now is Vicki Wynn, investigative and consumer correspondent for NBC News. You can catch a lot more of her reporting on Today and the Nightly News. Thank you for joining us, Vicki. Great to be on. Thank you for having us. We're going to be talking about all of the news surrounding all these baseball fields and extending the netting into the foul ball territory. There's been a lot of injuries that happen. There's been some very notable ones. Those are big stories whenever they happen. You guys here at NBC News broke the story that the Phillies are actually going to expand the safety netting at Citizens Bank Park before the start of the 2020 season. And there's about half of the teams that have said they're going to be extending the netting. Another half still really haven't confirmed or committed to doing this. But Vicky, tell us about your reporting, because you guys looked into the amount of injuries that have happened recently. Let me start from the beginning. This all came about because we were curious. There have been so many headlines coming uh, out about fans being injured by balls that leave the field and fly into the stands. And we just looked at each other in the investigative unit and said, is this a one-off? Is this just we're hearing more more about this, or is it actually happening more often? And we thought, you know what? Baseball is a game of stats and numbers. There's got to be details on this. We have to be able to get to the bottom of this and figure out definitively, are foul balls on the rise? Are injuries to fans on the rise? And that was kind of the guiding principle for what started this investigation. When we reached out to Major League Baseball, and then we reached out to all 30 teams to find out, a, do you keep stats on this? B, will you share them and be transparent? MLB didn't provide any numbers, even though they say they did a study a few years ago about this, and none of the teams would provide numbers. So we turned to their first aid stations, the, the agencies that contract to respond to these incidents in the stands, and that's how we were able to cobble together some definitive numbers. And keep in mind, the 808 incidents that we found since 2012, that's about a hundred injuries to fans um, by balls, most of them foul balls that leave the field and go into the stands. Some of these are even home runs. And when we read through the incident reports, we learned that this wasn't always someone who wasn't paying attention. Sometimes these are fans that are ready for the ball, waiting right. for the ball, trying to catch the ball and still get hurt. So that's more than a hundred fans injured by balls that leave the stands. And that's based on the first aid stations of just four teams since 2012 and 2014. It was a big enough number that we were able to take that back to Major League Baseball insiders. We talked to the um, vice president of sales and marketing for the White Sox. They're the first team to extend the netting all the way to the foul poles. We also heard from a um, retired Major League player from the Pittsburgh Pirates, Garrett Jones, who had a really unique perspective. Not only has he hit a foul ball that has uh, gone into the stands and injured a little boy and an elderly woman, he was able to go on record for the first time and say, hey, I think Major League Baseball needs to step up to the plate and extend the netting because as a player, 
it is a horrible feeling when your ball goes into the stands and hurts someone. And secondly, he who he's a dad of you know of some of some young children. He's concerned about taking them to the game. Says if he had a glove on and was waiting for a ball that's heading 105 miles an hour toward him, even if he were ready, he's not sure he'd be able to catch it. So he thinks right. the time has come. The game has changed. It's more dangerous for fans, and this is something that warrants a second look. Yeah, I mean, it definitely affects the players. Earlier this year, the Cubs player, Albert Almora Jr., hit a little girl right. in the face with the ball. That one, they said, was about 90 miles an hour, and he dropped to his knees and cried because he knew it could be potentially life-threatening at that point if you're getting oh, hit absolutely. in the face. So you can see the emotion there, and it's important to mention, you said that you guys got some of these numbers from just four teams that, you know, with those emergency right. responders. I mean, that leads us to believe that the numbers could be a lot higher all over the place once you absolutely. kind of really get numbers from all the teams. If you those numbers out, it would be a lot higher. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to do this based on actual concrete data. But if you think about it, that's just four out of 30 major league teams. You're looking at already 800 reports of injuries there. So the real number could be much higher. We don't know if major league baseball knows, but it certainly is data that is worth knowing. And that's why we felt it was really important to stick with those concrete numbers and put this out there for fans. Look, it's a debate. I get it. People want to be able to interact with their teams. They want to be able to catch foul balls. Baseball's been a certain way for 150 years. Some people don't want to see that change. But when you hear MLB insiders and and you look at the stats, look, the players are stronger. They're pitching faster. They're hitting the balls harder. The balls are coming off the bat in more erratic, unpredictable ways. It's, you know, the fact of the matter is we even had um, the Elias Sports Bureau put together some data for us that said that the number of foul balls from 2000 to now has gone up 10%. So those are the facts. Yeah, batters are hitting more foul balls in 2019 than in any of the previous 20 years. And you think about solutions. It's almost impossible for anybody to pay attention for 100% of the game. There's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, smartphones is probably a huge thing. People are looking at their phones a lot. But even just sitting in the stands, you know, there's stats constantly going on the jumbotrons, replays. There's a lot of stuff that is happening. People selling hot dogs and whatnot and peanuts. These are all things that are part of the overall experience of a game. So it's tough to really concentrate completely there. So extending the the baseball. Yeah, exactly. So go ahead. Tons of distractions. Brooks Boyer of the um, White Sox told us it's unrealistic for us to expect fans to pay attention 100% of the time, precisely because of some of those distractions that you mentioned, Oscar. I mean, even teams have apps and things that they want fans to interact with during the game, and just the way the game is played, there's, you know, lulls in the action. And so to be focused all the time, even if you are focused, doesn't guarantee you will catch a ball that's headed your way. So extending the netting, something uh, simple could potentially save people from a lot of pain and, and injury. So far, a total of 13 teams have announced to extend the netting. 17 teams have not mm-hmm. announced any plans yet. Do we know what is the hesitance on their part to do this? Yeah, so 13 teams announced that they will. Six teams have already done so. As you mentioned at the top of this, the Phillies told us exclusively after we started asking questions, they do plan to extend the netting to the foul poles by the start of the 2020 season. Interestingly, when the Philadelphia Inquirer followed up on it today, um, the Phillies said that they weren't sure where they were going to extend the netting to. So we're going to be watching that carefully. The reluctance, I think, Oscar, has to do with a couple of things. We asked about the cost. 
But at the end of the day, it doesn't boil down to cost because, you know, putting some nets up on, yeah. on foul poles is, is not a it's big deal. It's got to be negligible, for, for sure. Right, exactly, in their budgets, right? It's really concerns over the fan experience and the fan response. Some fans have said that they miss the interaction with the players. Um, and, you know, part of the experience, too, is, hey, maybe I'm going to go home with a game ball today. You yeah, know, like maybe right. there's going to be yeah. a ball that gets hit into the stands that I catch, and it'll be the memory for me, for my family, for my child, what have you. However, when we walked at least the Chicago White Sox um, ballpark, the the VP showed us how, you know, uh, the players can still throw balls up underneath the net. They can throw balls over the net. They can sign balls through the net. They're still able to talk to the fans. I mean, we're not talking about a chain link fence or some really thick mesh netting. When I was sitting on the field, I'll say I could see the game pretty clearly. But today in social media responses, we heard from some Washington Nationals fans who say that they feel the Nets have ruined their experience and their vision of the game. At the end of the day, I think it comes down to do you would you rather go to the game and feel like you can enjoy it, look away from the action and be protected, or are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to put your child at risk um, in that setting in order to catch a foul ball? And I right. think that's the question teams are grappling with and reassessing and trying to figure out how much they want to give fans the freedom to make that choice versus how much they want to just say, hey, listen, we know the foul balls go to these foul poles. That's <laughs> That's why we have that demarcation. Maybe it's time to put nets up, especially now that we see the number of foul balls and balls leaving the field is going up. And we've heard a lot of stories about teams and even players themselves going above and beyond to help out some of these people that they have hit. But the teams mm-hmm. in the MLB is protected pretty ironclad. You know, they have the so-called baseball rule and in the back of every ticket. There's the disclaimer that says you as a ticket holder assume all the risks, danger and injury incidental to the game of baseball. So they're covered regardless. So, uh, you know, that's just kind of another factor with all of this. Absolutely. And, you know, that's part of the question. I think some of those marketing offices are weighing with the owners of the teams while they have this disclaimer and legally they're not on the hook. How do they feel when that that fan of theirs gets injured in the stands and it makes headlines. Is it worth worth that trade-off? Um, and you're right. It, it's something that they have to weigh as teams. Uh, and, you know, we're looking forward to following it and finding out if more teams now that these numbers are out and now that we've kind of broken ground with this report, maybe that's the tipping point. Or maybe they're just going to, you know, stick to tradition and keep things the way that they are. I think what is important is that fans can look at this information, see it in black and white, and make an educated decision about what risks they're willing to tolerate when they go to a game. Look, we recognize millions of people go to ball games every year, have a great time. They come nowhere near a ball. Um, but it's an important discussion, I think, to be having. And when I was at Coors Field, uh, when we were shooting part of this story, there's a lot of kids that come to the game. And I'm not sure that it's fair to expect kids who are running around there eating popcorn and Cracker Jack to be paying attention to the game at all times. Um, And so, you know, you got to think about the liability that comes with having families come to watch America's pastime. Vicki Wynn, investigative and consumer correspondent for NBC News. You can catch a lot more of her stuff at Today and the Nightly News. Thank you very much for joining us, Vicki. Thank you so much for having me, Oscar. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. 
follow us on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.